Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today we're looking at the science fiction film Upside Down. This film stars Jim Sturgis and Kirsten Dunst, and it's a real science fiction-y kind of mess. But uh, <laughs> if, uh, if you guys haven't seen the film, uh, be advised, we will be talking about it after having viewed it, so there'll be spoilers all throughout this episode. Otherwise, uh, if you're happy to hear, here we go. Um, Jim Sturgis, first of all, um, been in a lot of movies now, but you might remember him from 21. You might have seen him in uh, Across the Universe, the Beatles um, musical film. He's a great little actor. I think he's doing a great job. He does play sort of a very similar uh, character. There's not a lot of depth to his acting, but I don't know. He's he's a kind of handsome young actor working in Hollywood. So He was awful how, in this film. <laughs> how can this go wrong, I was about to say. <laughs> um, Kirsten Dunst, obviously famously in Spider-Man as Mary Jane. She was in Melancholia, which we reviewed. Yeah, she was um, fantastic in that film. Yeah, which she really had a lot of depth and stuff to her character. Here, not so much. <laughs> but uh, is Kirsten Dunst obsessed with upside-down kissing? Because, I mean, she got a taste for it, kissing <laughs> Spider-Man in that alley, didn't she? Now she's all for it. She goes, gosh damn it, i got to get my next one. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, just on a quick sidetrack, I've actually been to the set at Warner Brothers uh, Studios where they filmed ER and they filmed heaps and heaps of movies. And um, they actually pointed out where they did that upside down kiss i was on that same tour as well i can't remember them highlighting that but it must have been must have been there <laughs> i guess it depends on your tour guide but yes there you go we've both been there <laughs> look uh starting right at the beginning of this film because i watched it last night this is very fresh in my mind uh jim sturgis i felt like he had the worst voiceover introduction oh i completely agree it was pathetic i I have no idea if he was you know um paying the whole movie out like it was a case like uh, harrison ford doing blade runner where he just did not want to do the voiceover (laughs) but it was so exaggerated like there were lines with and then i climbed to the highest top of the mountain it was so magical and you're like oh are you serious that was like the best take like (laughs) really yeah well you guys must have done that once in an elevator (laughs) um you know for four minutes into the film it's all about the physics it's like uh hey just so you know, this is how double gravity works. Um, yeah, you know you're in trouble because the movie ca- cares <laughs> much more for the laws and physics of the film than for the story. You know you're mm. in trouble right at the beginning. Oh, boy. They're, not only do they put up a diagram at the start of the film, like, who cares enough to do that? Do we need this much, do we need this much exposition, Lloyd? I I no, oh. you could have just began the movie right at the beginning, and if it's a good story, the audiences will accept that world. Exactly. I can't believe there was um, a test screening, and I don't know if this is true, but a test screening where people would have been like, uh, "Oh, I really, uh, it was a great little movie, but can I see a diagram of how double <laughs> gravity works? You know, maybe just at the beginning, so it all makes sense to me." And you <laughs> yeah. think in, in his voiceover. That he could uh, that he could tell me the three rules of double gravity, <laughs> and then uh, it's frustrating because all matter. These are the rules, by the way. This gave me such early doubts about this movie. Like four minutes in, I was like, "Oh God, what am I in for?" <laughs> all matter is pulled by the gravity of the world that it comes from, and not the other, which is just 
<laughs> the worst. <laughs> and the most this is the most nonsense rule physics can give you because like if we went to the moon, Lloyd, yeah. we wouldn't be getting pulled back towards Earth because that's where we belong and our gravity is assigned to. We get to the moon, we're on the moon's gravity. We're, you know, jumping and flying through the air. We, yeah, yeah. Ugh. This doesn't doesn't fit at all. When Well, there's a whole a- video I spotted on YouTube with these two physics students and they talk really nicely about how wrong the movie is, all the physics in the movie. Like they, I think they begin by saying, it's strange how long the movie takes to discuss the laws of this world and it seems so interested with the, you know, with the physics of it, yet it's all so incorrect. Like yes. and these are two physics students, so they know what they're talking about. I'll, I'll probably have to put a link on the thing. And that's just the gist of it. And I'm like, yes, I completely agree with you guys. I don't think they thought this through. <laughs> like it's it's a it's a film where they've gone. Wouldn't it be good if there was a world above and a world below, right? Mm. But then they've gone. All right, now how can we make that concept work? Yeah, and they've tried very hard to. And then they put jam this gosh damn Romeo and Juliet wannabe story right in the middle of it. Oh, first I've got to finish these rules, Lloyd. Let me get through them. (laughs) Two, an object's weight can be offset by matter from the opposite world. Inverse matter. You know what the inverse matter with this movie is? Everything. (laughs) And after some time in contact, matter in contact with inverse matter burns. Uh Uh-oh. So... Immediately, you're thinking, sure, they live in different worlds. It's the ultimate Romeo and Juliet story because you can't be around each other for long or it burns. Well, I think most guys, if they're around Kirsten Dunst for too long, will probably start to burn. <laughs> but, but they've taken that very literally. But Lloyd, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What if love was stronger than gravity? Don't, you're going to make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> That that is that's a, a line, line. That's a line from the movie. Uh, Dave's not exaggerating when he says that. And you got to picture this voiceover. Oh my gosh! What if love? Oh, I can't do it. I, I won't do it. I'm just going to throw up if I try. <laughs> it's not worth repeating anymore. No, it's Let's not. Move on. <laughs> All right. First up, how are the? There's one building that's connected, right? I don't understand how this connected building works. Right? Shouldn't. It, they built it right up to the point where it won't burn, right? It's yeah. the highest point of the atmosphere in theory. Then they've built... The other world's built one the same and they sort of sit next to each other, right? Yeah. But aren't the planets rotating? Yeah. The two planets? Yeah. So shouldn't those buildings not line up all the time and... Yeah, and then crack. Like eventually a big... <laughs> yeah, well, as the planets go round, those buildings are just going to not be touching and then you can't get from one to the other... And, and I don't know why four minutes into the film I'm having questions like this that immediately take you out of the movie, you know? Ugh. How, and then, how is ugh, that? But it, It's jarring how many shots are upside down. Yeah. You know? um, like, I hate sitting in the front row of movies, let alone having whole conversations looking upwards, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, looking up like that, just... No one likes that, you know? And sore necks. Everyone would have such sore necks in this movie. Ugh. Anyway, um, what gets me is when she's being pulled by that rope when they first meet in the mountains yeah. in probably the super thin air, which is never addressed. <laughs> um, she's affected by her world's gravity, so he pulls her towards with this rope. Mm. And at the time I was thinking, oh, she really should be like, 
being pulled towards his gravity and smashing into the rocks. But because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she, she's affected by her gravity, you know, they've got to put her behind like a pillar so they can make out. Yeah. Ugh. And then 15 minutes into the film, we get the feeling Kirsten Dunst is dead. They get shot at. The two worlds are fraternizing, which is a pretty dumb rule yep. to keep the two worlds apart. Um, if you live down below, you know, too slow. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, 10 years later, we jump 10 years in the future, Lloyd, to um, the corporation trans world that's taken over everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, the rich get richer and live in their sunshiny world. And he lives down in uh, Dumpsville. Dystopia and utopia. Mm-hmm. Quick question again about the physics here, Lloyd. If you've got two planets next to each other like that, is the sun going around both of them? Oh, jeez. I guess, yeah. So, because it's not, it's not going around the gap between them because then it would always be daytime, right? Yeah, that's right. And you would, you know, they'd all be horribly tanned. Yeah, and is, is one, definite one is always scenes. casting a shadow in the other then, uh, or sunny. Yes. Yeah. Which means that they have kind of a short day where the sun, you know, goes mm. between the two worlds and it shines light between them. Then it goes behind one of the planets when it's nighttime for both of them. Then it appears again and does the other side, you know, of the planet, shining light again. So another short day and then it's nighttime again. So these days would be super short. Yeah. But I don't know. It didn't really feel like they addressed anything like that. Anyway. Um, look, it's it's set up to be a tragedy, isn't it? Neither world can be on the other world for very long. It's a forbidden love, isn't it, Lloyd? Yeah, that's right. That, that's, that's what they're banking on. The whole main meat of this movie is the love story, but unfortunately, the, whoever wrote this put so much attention, well, apparently not, into the physics of it to take time out four minutes how long into the film like four minutes the whole intro is look i think the five five or six minutes total the voiceover garbage yeah. oh my gosh and then we get to the meat of the story which is just this romeo and juliet story this young guy wants to meet back with his um old flame that he met like you know surprisingly this guy's never found another love all these years how long has it been 10 years 10 years later 10 years yeah 10 years yep. later he's still uh, hot for the girl and it's just so stupid the situations that come up he's just trying to get her but she's got amnesia now um so she can't even remember who she who he is and everything like that so he has to constantly try to meet up with her in her world and until her memories jogged you know uh, i i didn't care for any of them at all i didn't care if he succeeded i don't know if it's the problem with the screenplay or the performances but i, I just didn't care for any of them well the screenplay didn't help but um i thought you know, he hasn't moved on either in 10 years. And yeah. he, it seems like they had a summer romance, didn't they? I mean, it was just it's, brief kind of... Yeah, it's so, I don't know, fake. They grew up as kids and they made out a bit and they, you know, hung out at the rocks and they go see each other occasionally. Um, but, but they're then so 10 fluffy, on, just how they're written and how they're performed. They're just so out of a... I don't want to say fairy tale story, but just so out of a crappy movie. <laughs> What was annoying, too, about this was, like, I didn't buy the love story either, Lloyd. I didn't feel like it was some great romance. No, yeah. It felt like there were scenes missing in terms of, um, he sees her on the TV, right? And he goes, oh, she works for uh, Transworld. Great. Then in the next scene, 
he's being hired by Transworld. <laughs> yeah, so, it was just a big was, jump. It was just like, oh, hold on, wait a sec. I must have missed Sonny. <laughs> oh, and um, there's that scene where he pees upward onto the roof. Mm. Because, of course, his pee is drawn by the gravity of his world. He pees upwards once he finally gets into the upside-down world. Yeah, I, I um, read a lot of critics read that was, like, the only funny part of the movie. What Did was funny laugh? to me was yeah. I didn't laugh. We kind of <laughs> guessed it was going to happen. Oh, wait, first of all, aren't you glad he only had to pee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, second thing, I paused the DVD and I said... You know, somebody has installed a pee detector up on the roof, probably of every story of that building, expecting <laughs> that one day this will happen. Like, yeah. what is that about? <laughs> like, can you imagine the insurance company or whoever installing those and going, no, you, you got to have them. They're going to catch. <laughs> one day, you are going to catch somebody. <laughs> Don't worry. Who's, who's from the other world? And he'll be peeing all over the place. It's so weird how they got that and no cameras inside the building, like when he was like sneaking around and, and stuff like that. It just, the I don't know. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's that shot in the stairwell that looks like a camera. No. Oh, you yeah. know, sort of has him going into one room and then coming out upside down on the other one. Looks a little bit like a camera angle. But anyway. Anyway, that scene after he pees and the alarm goes off and they start to chase him. Yep. Scene missing. I guess he made it back fine. <laughs> you know that's like true yeah yeah where they had these possibilities for action and adventure like stuff it's just like cut audience <laughs> fill in the blanks yeah. <laughs> he was fine don't worry um timothy spall obviously playing his uh his buddy upside yeah, down he's a good actor but that relationship just seems so forced like it was such <laughs> well, yeah. a mechanic there's age, an age difference, and there was, it wasn't as if he mentored him that much. He was just like, yeah. don't worry, mate, you'll be fine. Yeah, Hang in yeah. there. And um, what's interesting to me is that Jim Sturgis's character, Adam, wants to get in touch with Kirsten Dunst's character, Eden. Do you notice that? Adam from Eden? Yep, they're Adam the start of the new race. The, yeah. yeah. Wow, some religious stuff in there too. <laughs> um, you know, he hasn't moved on in 10 years, as I said, so he risks it all to say hi. He has no set plan at all, mm. you know? He just wants to say hi. He has no plan beyond that. Well, and, I uh, guess his hope is the moment she sees him, it, it'll all come together, but the downside was um, what spoiled his plans was the, the amnesia, wasn't it? Yes, but, yeah. you know, instead of risking his life for this girl he's made out with and presumably the love of his life, wouldn't... Timothy call uh, Timothy Spall. Uh, what if he called her, right, yep. from his desk and was like, "Oh, hey, Eden. I was wondering if you could just come over to my desk, um, show you a new product I'm working on." Right? Yeah. She goes to his desk and then he goes, uh, "Look up," and then Adam waves. Yep. And then they could wouldn't meet. That have, and that, that would have been uh, the whole yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that have been a lot safer? <laughs> yeah. I, I have real issues with him going upside down into the other world as well because he's still technically upside down. So I feel yeah. like blood would be rushing to his head. That's right. You know. That's that's one of the things. Because if they're going to go with the pee thing, like his uh, when he urinates, it goes the other way. So yep. would his blood. So yep. would everything else. You know, that'd be going the other way as well. So you're not really thinking this through, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's a film that it's so adventurous. You have to go with and believe 
everything about it and most uh intelligent film watchers aren't going to they're going to go wait what how's that <laughs> because you know most people know how gravity works from a young age so yeah. but i guess love is stronger than gravity so well, yeah well if they made the story good you would have forgiven that really easily there's so many movies that we great movies that we can mention that uh, have big flaws logically with whatever world they're creating yet we go with it because it's such a well-told story you know like why when explosions happen in star wars that's not possible in space like you wouldn't have explosion because there's no oxygen for the fire etc etc you know what i mean but you don't think about that because it's such a great story this one is so bad that's all we can me and you can talk about is the physics of it because do you remember the romance day because i sure as hell don't (laughs) oh i remember it i was just like oh what you're gonna risk your life for that girl you made out with a little bit yeah like that's cool but isn't there a, a nice girl in the downward world and in isn't the, there a nice guy for her in the upward world yeah it's been 10 years son it's been 10 years <laughs> yeah i just yeah even though she has amnesia bits of it are coming back to her from time to time and they come back very conveniently um you know she's like i'm starting to remember you oh great cool let's carry on <laughs> you know what um a better version of this film is is gattaca because there's that world where he's an imposter. I'm so constantly- glad you mentioned that because that, that was mentioned in a lot of reviews. Gattaca is one of my favorite movies. Um, I think it's one of the best movies of the 90s. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. It had a similar tone and feel with the music and uh, just the look of it as well. And yeah, the same similar stories. Like there's this uh, elite and there's, there's this lower class level and one guy tries to break through um, through yep. subterfuge and very similar. And you're right. Again, we did Life of Pi last week dave you mentioned uh, castaway which completely killed life of pie for me and now uh yeah mentioning gattaca is just yeah this is how it's done guys <laughs> <laughs> well that's it i mean but unfortunately upside down wasn't a masterpiece we were trying to pick apart like nobody's nominated upside down for yeah, any ha- awards, how'd you hear think. about this film look uh honestly i keep an eye out for science fictiony kind of themes in films that i like and i saw some stills from this and i did a little research and I, I like Jim Sturgis enough I like Kirsten Dunst enough that I thought this film won't be bad will it you know it's, uh... <laughs> so some of the CGI looked fantastic I liked um when he's uh sitting at the edge of the the mountain and he's just contemplating you know the, at the very uh worst part of the film like the big crisis of the film where he thinks he'll never meet Kirsten Dunst again and he just spends his days thinking about her and everything like that you know they really uh, the film shows off the world and the CGI so much it gets annoying but there are fragments of it that is very beautiful sure but um there's so many like most of what I pick up on pod me if you can um what I tend to do is uh, things that annoy me from a logic point of view you know Mm. and so this film really hurt to watch because you're questioning everything that happens i mean you know i i I watched him go on his lunch date with um eden and he uses bob's card to get out after bob's been fired and i can't perceive that it would work because he's been he's been terminated and the second time he uses it it goes off the alarm goes off yeah because yeah because he needs to get to that lunch date within the context of the movie. But this big corporation that fires people in front of everybody in this big group way, you know, you feel like they'd, they'd all be terminated, all their cards wouldn't work on the way out, you know? 
it gives this impression that corporation runs almost like uh, i don't know it seems so omnipotent like they control a military faction as well and th- there's so many holes with its security how he breaks out with the card example you just gave and also just with how at the very end his friend goes oh yeah i bought the patent on your um on your cream um so mm. we're going to be the imp- the implication is we're going to be very wealthy and well off it's okay we're all good and i don't know just okay so this corporation that has a massive building in the center of these two worlds doesn't have power to just overthrow that decision you know that patent just to go no we're just going to kill you <laughs> how about that we're just going to shoot you in the face <laughs> and then <laughs> and then get the aging cream you know just uh, the the rules just were changing so conveniently for everything yes. you just had to go with it and go with it you know look oh, towards, that the, shot. Of, oh, that towards the end shot. of the sorry sorry mate <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of the film Transworld doesn't seem like they're involved anymore mm. after the bit where they rough him up and they're like, you know, give us the solution or yeah. we'll kill you. And they just throw and him outside. It's sort of like, yeah. remi- <laughs> it's like reminds yeah. of the joke of the Simpsons. It's time to call in a favor from Washington. And then, you know, the next scene, the guy drives by in a limo and throws a brick at Homer Simpson's house and goes and laughs. And then uh, you hear Lisa go, Dad, did you hear Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> just seems so pathetic. Yeah. Look, uh, I can't tell you how many movies would be so much better if Timothy Spall just brought you a magic solution that solved all your problems, you know? Because <laughs> that's not a cop-out ending at all. Just, uh, here you go. Everything sucks, but yeah, yeah. I figured out the solution. You didn't have to do anything. This will solve all your problems. By the way, she's waiting for you over there. No, 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 over there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and also she's pregnant, which lucky he's thrilled about. Hey, just um, he's like, oh, great, great. (laughs) Okay. And so presumably, though you don't see it in the film, uh, when they're on the mountaintop and they're both floating around, spinning in the air, presumably they're uh, having sex at that point. And um, she's pregnant. And guess what? She's already found out that it's twins. (laughs) Yeah. Which, uh, you know, looks pretty early on to find out it's twins, but that's that's cool you know but our babies uh, brought the two worlds together but that is a different story you know just like please don't make that movie for the love of heaven (laughs) do not make that movie (laughs) yes the voiceover lloyd's mentioning uh they even set up a sequel which was extremely optimistic (laughs) you know don't worry guys this is a trilogy (laughs) wow the kids luke and leia are definitely going to change things Oh, that's awful. I just struggled the physics, the logic, um, the love story. Yep. Look, redeeming factors here. I found it annoying that everyone would have to look up all the time, you know, just from yeah. the logic of getting their neck craning up. <laughs> they, they should all have big necks, like, because they work their neck muscles really well. Yeah. You know, you even got to think about when he goes into the elevator and he goes up. There could be people standing on the ceiling of that elevator from the other world kind <laughs> yeah. of thing and i don't know <laughs> this this is high concept and that's probably why 
I wanted yeah. to watch it. And yeah, it was, pretty, it was it. very ambitious. They didn't think this through. I think Kirsten Dunst is an amazing talent, um, and she really struggled with this movie. There was nothing there for her to work with. She was just a smiling face in the end, really, you know, just a pretty face, and that's it. She had nothing to work with. And uh, the production designer did a fantastic job in it. Um, I don't know who that is, <laughs> but I'm sure they've done many. Jeez, i got IMDb here, and I can't find it. That's all good. Um, I, I agree. I think Kirsten Dunst was miscast in this. And I think after Melancholia, you know, you want to see her in better dramatic oh, roles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe she just wanted a big break. She was just like, oh, no, only romantic comedies after this. <laughs> I actually think this was probably filmed before Melancholia and just released afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Just that it felt like the CGI would have taken them a little while and, you know... I don't know, maybe it was filmed right after Melancholia and she didn't know Melancholia was going to be a big sort of hit for her. Alex McDowell um, uh, did the production design for this. He's done Watchmen, Minority Report, Fight Club, Man of Steel. And I think he did a solid job in this. Fantastic job in this film. Could be a she. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you guys are interested in a film that has... um, Kirsten Dunst Melancholia I believe was Pod Me If You Can episode 3 so yeah. uh, some time ago now but you should be able to find that through iTunes or our yeah, website www.podmeifyoucan.com that's an example of a very superior movie and this is an example of a very very terrible movie <laughs> also just quietly um, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler for Melancholia so uh, you might want to fast forward 30 seconds from now uh, in Melancholia, the two planets that are next to each other actually pull into each other and crash, and that's what should happen in Upside Down. <laughs> yeah, the movie should have ended in two minutes. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, Lloyd, just going to get on to the recommendation. Uh, you've got it this week. Here is the opener. What should I watch, Lloyd? All right, this is an example of a romantic movie done properly. This is um, I just recently watched Billy Wilder's The Apartment, and it came out in 19... Oh, my gosh, I think it's 1960. Yeah, 1960, and it stars Jack Lemmon, uh, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray, and it's basically about this guy who... Um, he's a bachelor, and he has this apartment, and he l- works in this big, massive corporate building, and all the people above him... There's, like, five guys above him, and he does favours for them, and he lets them use their apartment so they can take their mistresses or girls they're seeing on the side, so the poor guy has to wait out in the cold and stuff like that. He's basically doing favours, so they'll shoot him up um, and, and advance his career, or they promise him they'll do it, and it is brilliant. It's one of the best romantic movies ever made. Billy Wilder is an Ochura filmmaking. His best movie is... Um Oh gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting its name. Sunset Boulevard. And this movie's fantastic. It's a bit long though, 125 minutes, but it's it's so brilliant. There are dark moments in this where a girl attempts to commit suicide taking sleeping pills and um, he has to um, let her recover from that. But all the characters have so much depth. I love the apartment as well. It just feels so alive. Like the production designer did an amazing job. Like it feels lived in and everything like that. Shirley MacLaine is heartbreaking excellent in it, in it and Jack Lemon is brilliant there's so much details to his performance it's it's an amazing amazing movie one of the best romantic comedies ever made you guys should definitely check it out 
Sounds fantastic, Lloyd. And uh, just a heads up, guys, next time on the podcast, we will be discussing The Rock and Mark Wahlberg in Pain and Gain. Going to talk about Michael Bay, which should be fun, Lloyd. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> All right, and that is it for www.podmeifyoucan.com for more. Um, and you will, I guess, hear from us next week. Thanks heaps, guys. All the best. <laughs> <laughs>